0: Having dependable broadband is more important than ever, especially in the age of the coronavirus. Yet 18 million people still can't get access to high-speed internet. Let's talk about this problem. This is the first part of our six-part series, Looking at the Broadband Gap. To kick things off, we have Maggie Ridden, our senior reporter who's been covering this for more than a decade. So let's better define this problem. So to set the table for this discussion, let's define the issue. What does the broadband gap problem look like?
1: Well, basically, we've got millions of people in the U.S. who are still without broadband, right? And these are people in rural communities. These are people in um, urban areas, um, you know. And and the problem is really twofold. You've got places where there's a complete lack of access, right? There are no broadband um, fiber lines anywhere or, or any wireless access for people to get connected. And then there are people who... The service is just simply unaffordable or they're not – they don't know why they need to have it. And so they've never signed up for it. And so there are a lot of people out there who, who just simply don't have it. And, and that's the real – that's what we talk about when we talk about the digital divide.
0: Yeah. And realistically, the number of people unable to get broadband has, has admittedly shrunk. Um, you know, It was just 21 million a couple of years ago. Uh, but why is it considered a bigger problem now than ever before?
1: Well, in the age of coronavirus, everything's gone online. So you've got, um, you know, students, you know, from K through college who need to connect via broadband. You've got people working remotely. You've got uh, people accessing healthcare remotely. And so if you don't have a broadband connection, you're basically left out of that. And so you're really seeing the inequities in our society shine through. So, again, it's folks in rural communities um, as well as people who are generally low income who live in, um, in urban areas or suburban markets too.
0: Right. And I, mean, I would argue even before the coronavirus, right, like I think that that broadband gap, that was a problem. This, the coronavirus definitely highlights it particular, but I feel like that, that inequity was already there, right?
1: Yeah, the inequity was always there, right? But it, you know, I think now we see it as um, broadband is a necessity, right? Like, it's it's not even just sort of a luxury or a nice to have, you know, because really people could, um, people could maybe go to a library to do some some schoolwork if they had to, or they could, you know, get access at a Starbucks if they needed to, right? Now, those options aren't available to people. So you are truly disconnected from the rest of society if you don't have broadband.
0: And that that idea that, you know, broadband is, is it's a requirement it's a necessity, um, that hasn't always been the viewpoint, right? Uh, if you take that a little bit back a bit, just like and in, in terms of like the, the the view of broadband as a necessity like when did that that perspective start to kind of take hold
1: well i think it's been an evolution and it it you know in some sense is kind of wrapped up a little bit in the net neutrality discussion too right like people who push for net neutrality say this is a utility right it's like electric it's like water like you need it to live. And I think there's been, you know, some pushback from other folks who haven't necessarily wanted to acknowledge that. Um but I think over time, I you know, over the last decade or so, I think people really get it. Like no, broadband um it's it's become integral to everything that we do in our lives. And you know, a lot of people don't want to live without it, and and right now in the age of COVID, you you really, I mean, it, you're hard pressed to be able to to live and function in this world if you don't have it.
0: Right, and I mean, if it's this is a problem that everyone agrees needs to be fixed, like why why haven't we gotten a solution?
1: uh that is the million dollar question, Roger. Right, like there are a lot of there are a lot of reasons why, but you know, a big, you know, one has been like political priority. Right, there are a lot of other issues that have been you know, bigger issues to tackle. And money is a big factor. You know, when you talk about like rural access, it's very expensive to put the infrastructure in to get to some of these very remote areas. And that's why like the big broadband companies haven't done it yet because they it's hard to make money off of that. So, you know, finding the money to do it is is one issue. But then also like making sure that the public policy is structured in a way that really provides incentives for people to do that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of politics involved here. You know, even though the big broadband companies, um, you know, can't make a business case to go to some of these places, they also really push back against anybody else who wants to do it because they don't want to lose that potential opportunity or they don't want competition there. So, um, and that trickles down and and affects like the public policy that's developed. And so you don't get the structure needed to, um, to incentivize anybody else to build out the infrastructure there. And then on the other side, you know, you've got cost issues, and, you know, who wants to give away broadband service to people who can't afford it? That's that's not a great business model either. <laughs> that's that's not what these companies want to do. So, um, yeah, so I would say that that's what's been kind of holding back universal access.
0: Got it. And, and I know the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, it's responsible for that. I know that that's an issue that the, the chairman, Ajit Pai, has, you know, made one of his priorities. Talk a little bit about what the FCC has done over the last couple of years and where they've either succeeded or failed to improve broadband access.
1: Yeah, so for years there has been a program at the FCC to try to get broadband infrastructure built out in rural areas. It's the Universal Service Fund, um, you know, we as consumers of communication services have been paying into that for years and, and the money will get allocated to companies to build out infrastructure. The problem with that program in the past has been that there have been all kinds of rules and, again, lobbying happening so that um, existing telephone providers were the only ones who would get big chunks of that money to to put broadband out there. and. You know, there's been some criticism that over the years, a lot of these companies they were taking the money, but they weren't really building the infrastructure. They weren't really getting it done, and so there's been a lot of frustration there. And this current FCC has made some changes, and they are now, um, you know, they recognize the problem with that, and they're trying to involve anybody, any company who wants to build out any kind of broadband infrastructure that's whether it's you know fiber or whether it's wireless and so they're trying to structure the the auctions for this money to um, to provide incentives to these other companies to come up with some ideas to get broadband there. So we've got this this idea of a reverse auction happening um, with some allocation of universal service funds now that you know hopefully they're going to get uh, electric co-ops, uh, participating so that they'll build out some things and, and some of the 5g and, um, and microwave, uh, wireless guys who want to build out. So they're finally going to be able to get some of this money. So, you know, the FCC's trying to do, to, to do what they're doing. Um, so we'll see if it works.
0: Yeah. You, you bring up some of these local electric companies. Uh, I know you went to Chattanooga a couple of years back to, to kind of look at, that community and how they basically got their local power company to build out a, a fiber network um, and, and really kind of turn that city around. It, it's been hailed as a sort of a model for how these things are done, but there aren't a lot of these examples out there. I'm, I'm curious, why is that?
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, so you've got sort of like electric companies and electric co ops sort of doing this, and then this idea of municipal. Uh, Organizations or you know municipalities building out their own networks, and you know it's that's a whole interesting you know sector of this because some of them have done a pretty good job in in building out. Like Lafayette, Louisiana, is another example of a a municipality that went ahead and built their own fiber network. Um, But then there are also cases where like these projects failed um, and that they lost a whole lot of money. But one of the issues why we're not seeing it um you know all over the place really is because you've got um the big companies like a t and t and and comcast and and some of these other big broadband companies who have really pushed hard to get laws passed in local states to uh to not allow municipalities to build their own networks you know it goes back to that what I said earlier is you've got these These big broadband companies who can't find a business case to be in some of these places, but they don't want anybody else there either. And so they lobby really hard against that. And there are a lot of states out there now today that don't – they have laws on the books that local communities can't build their own networks. Um, But rural um, co-ops, which are not owned by – they're not owned by the municipality. These are companies that are owned by local shareholders – there's been a resurgence in, in those companies um, starting to see a business case and starting to do something. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that happen in, in the next, you know, five, six years.
0: Uh, you know, one of the other problems I, I know is is really just even identifying where there is or isn't service. I mean, there's, uh, there's a whole issue with, with maps. Talk a little bit about the, the broadband map problem.
1: Yeah, this has been a problem that has really troubled the FCC for a long time. And, you know, there are so many problems with these maps. So the the first thing is, is that the maps are created using data that is self-reported by the carriers. Um, and then the parameters that were set up for how they report, whether they're service or not, wasn't really all that granular. So, for example, if um, if a provider like said that they had service in one you know one farm in the middle of of nowhere <laughs> um but the rest of the area was unserved when they reported that information to the FCC it would say that broadband was there when actually it wasn't there for everybody so that has been a major major issue and You know, Republicans and Democrats have really railed against the FCC uh, for the last few years, saying you've got to fix this, you've got to change this, and um, and they're working on it. So they um, have come up with a new proposal for how to um, to get more accurate maps. Um, So they're they're trying to fix that issue. But you know, one of the FCC commissioners, Jessica Rosenworcel, um, who's a Democrat, this has been one of her biggest issues that she's railed against. And she says, you know, we cannot solve this problem if we don't know where the problem exists. And you got to fix the maps before you can really come up with a public policy to fix the problem. So, so we'll see how that goes.
0: <laughs> they, so some of the bigger providers, you sort of alluded to this earlier, like AT&T and, and Comcast, that the legacy uh, service providers, uh, do you see them as part of the problem or part of the solution?
1: I think Both. Right. I mean, I think that, um, you know, they could play a major role in in getting getting broadband to places that that don't exist. Right. They have the money and and they know how to do it. So it would be great if, you know, we have some policy put in place that would incentivize them to um, to get these networks built. But at the same time, as I've said before, you know, they also lobby against, you know, New entrants into the market who may want to do it, and I think that's something that you know our our folks in washington and in and really in our state legislatures really need to keep an eye on is that you know if the big guys are not willing to do it they've got to allow other competitors to come in and um and get it out there
0: at the beginning of this pandemic you you wrote about you know the widening digital divide and um, particularly, you talked about not just rural areas, but really people in urban areas not getting access. You talk a bit about that problem and, and how that's uh, changed or evolved over the years.
1: Yeah. So for a lot of folks in urban areas, it's it's not that access isn't there, right? There may be broadband available, but the cost of it is just prohibitive. They can't afford it. So, you know, if you look at the average cost of broadband, and and it's interesting because the speeds may be going up, but the prices for like sort of the average package kind of remains the same. It's around like $50 a month. That can be a lot for somebody. Um, So, you know, there are programs that are out there. For example, Comcast has its internet essentials program that provides low cost broadband to folks. But, you know there are a lot of caveats there are a lot of um restrictions on like being able to sign up for that um and also there's you know it's it's not always free so nine ninety five could possibly be a barrier to some people as well I mean that can be a cost particularly when when people um are struggling financially so uh I think that's an issue I think the other issue and and Comcast has really um done a lot of work in looking at this in terms of, it's not always just cost. Sometimes it's also the education for people and knowing like, why, why do I want broadband? Why do I need this? How do I use this? Um, there's also financial implications with, do I have a device that can connect, right? Like laptops aren't free (laughs) unless you go through, uh, you know some sort of program to get that. So, you know, part of their internet essentials program, they provide you know, low-cost devices so that people can get on the internet. So, you know, there are a lot of those little barriers that kind of add up and then you've got whole swaths of people who are just like not connected. Um so, yeah, that that's it's it's a big issue. So, it's it's not so much for the urban areas on the infrastructure side as much on the cost and the education and the device.
0: Gotcha. And is there anything the FCC is doing about that aspect of things?
1: Um, you know, not the, it seems like this FCC has not been as focused on, on the urban and on the cost issues. Now they did, you know, during the pandemic come out with a pledge that they asked uh, broadband providers to take, that said, you know they won't disconnect people if they can't pay their bill, and they encourage them to open up Wi-Fi hotspots, and you know we're really encouraging these low-cost options for folks. Um, but they didn't mandate it, and um, you know there are a lot of folks in the FCC. Well, you know two of the the Democrats on the FCC have really said they feel that that they could be doing more to get people um, in urban areas connected. So. Uh, yeah, you know, not a whole, you know, they seem to be more focused on the, the infrastructure piece and how do we get infrastructure built out for for folks.
0: Right. But ultimately, it's, it's a problem for both, right? Rural and urban. It's things. a problem yeah. for
1: both. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Thanks again, Maggie, for setting the stage on this issue. There is a lot to discuss, so check back in tomorrow for part two of the series where we delve into the problems we face today. If you have any questions about the digital divide hit us up at The Daily Charge on Twitter. Check out all of our coverage looking at the digital divide on CNET.com. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.